But the next morning I woke up and I was smiling and my head was up. Usually I walked around with my head down and I didn't smile. And I was smiling and I smiled all that day. And I could tell that it was God had changed something in me. And I smiled for three days. Now, I hadn't smiled since I was eight years old in any regular way. My face hurt. It got to the point where I had to pray to God to stop smiling because <laughs> my face hurt so much because I was using muscles I hadn't used in years. It changed my life. I knew God had intervened in my life, that he was real, and that he cared about me. He was, he was there to, to take care of me. Welcome to the I Am Here podcast, a space to be inspired by stories of men and women who have found in the Eucharist the strength and purpose for their lives. I'm your co-host, Leah Butalid, and I've been gathering stories for the I Am Here campaign. And I'm Father Mario Amore, a priest of the Archdiocese of Detroit, and today we welcome our guest, Fred Morath, to share his story. Welcome, Fred. Hello. Hello. Leah. Hello, Father. Hello. Glad to be here. Thanks so much for joining us. We're so glad to have you. Um, to help our audience get to know you uh, a little more, can you let us know, where do you go to church? I go to church at St. John Newman in Canton, Michigan. Lovely. Um, and I have wonderful five kids and a wife and 10 grandkids. So, oh, my goodness. Um, so I'm busy. <laughs> I believe it. I believe it. And you're pretty involved there at St. St. John, right? I am currently the business manager. <laughs> okay. And we just finished the parking lot. So it's been a great, great well, month. Oh, yeah. Time to rejoice. Rejoicing, <laughs> ju- you know, from a business manager point of view, at least. Fabulous. And how long have you been doing that? There? I've been the business manager there for four years. And I was with Father Paul Belin at St. Linus for six years before that. Okay. Got it. I'm also currently the president of the Catholic Biblical School of Michigan. We have 600 students throughout mm-hmm. the state of Michigan in live and in online classes studying scripture from Genesis to Revelation. Wow, and this w- was this your uh, by your initiative, the Catholic Biblical School? Um, they, they keep telling me I'm one of the founders, okay. but the idea originally came from Denver, Colorado, okay. the Denver Catholic Biblical School. It was about 35 years ago by Sister Macrina Scott, who put the program together. Dr. Peter Williamson at Sacred Heart Seminary brought it back from Denver in 2008. He got Deacon Jack Gardner, involved in the project. Together, they couldn't get it started. I'm an accountant. (laughs) I helped them get it started. (laughs) I'm not the scripture scholar. I'm the accountant. Fabulous, fabulous. Well, I know that the Eucharist uh, played a a big role in you stepping into that um, position, and so we'll get to that momentarily. But um, I want to start kind of earlier in your story and what you shared with us on on IamHere.org. You uh, shared an incredible experience from your early faith life, just kind of what, you know, introduced you to the person of Jesus and having a relationship with him. Can you take us back to that time in college and share what happened there? Yeah, I came up, I grew up in a family of 10 children, mm-hmm. a good Catholic family. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm the sixth of 10 I, w- I was a natural introvert. Nobody mm. believes that now when I tell them this, <laughs> but I was. Um, and my brother, Larry, uh, born two years after me, almost to the day, had severe handicaps. Mm. Oh. And as a result, I was kind of a little bit of a forgotten kid. I was the good kid, mm-hmm. but I was a little bit forgotten. And there isn't a picture of me smiling from the age of eight to the age oh. of 18. Okay. Uh, but I was a good kid. I got to the University of Michigan, and I hated it. Because I didn't get along with any of the people there. I didn't understand them, and they certainly didn't understand me. So after 
Actually, it did help me in one sense. When I got there, I was 200 pounds, and when I left the first term, I was 145 because I refused to eat for the oh whole four months. Whoa. So my mom took me to the doctor because she assumed I was desperately ill, oh mm-hmm. no. but I was only ill emotionally, mm-hmm. not physically. Mm-hmm. So I got home at Christmas, and I was very despondent. Mm-hmm. I didn't want to go back to school. Mm-hmm. I... Uh, had been told when I was 16 year old, 16 years old by my father walking to bed one night, mm-hmm. he asked me if I had prayed that night. And I was kind of shocked because he stopped praying with me when I was about nine years old. Mm-hmm. And to be honest, I hadn't prayed much in between. Mm-hmm. But he told me it was the most important thing he did every day. And uh, I didn't start praying at 16, but in that one night at Christmas, just before Christmas, when I was facing going back to school and didn't want to, mm. I was laying in my bed, crying out to God, praying, remembering what my dad said. Wow. And I said, God, if you don't change something, I'm not going to keep going. I was contemplating ending my life in a very kind of esoteric way. I didn't have a gun, didn't have a knife. Yeah. But I was contemplating it, and I basically left it up to God. And, and after I poured my heart out to God, I felt a little better. Mm. And I went back next January to University of Michigan, and the uh, gentleman from next door who had joined a Christian group mm. came in to talk to my Jewish roommate about coming to a prayer meeting, mm-hmm. which, of course, my Jewish roommate had zero interest in. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I, I was the invisible person on the fall hall. I was sitting in the room. Nobody even acknowledged I was there. Wow. But I listened to this poor guy try to convince my Jewish roommate for 20 minutes to come to a prayer meeting. Mm-hmm. And eventually, since I'd been there for 20 minutes, I... I, I would really was hoping my Jewish roommate would go to a prayer meeting because it would help me. <laughs> and I said, Hell, if you go, I'll go. Nice. And they all ignored, but Hell loved that. It was a lifeline. He was able to say, Sure, I'll go with Fred. Uh-huh. And the guy left. Mm. <laughs> so two days later, somebody comes to the room. Where's Hell? Nowhere in sight. Oh he ran God. out of town, baby. Oh, no. Uh. So I'm there, and, and uh, the guy next door says, Well, I guess I'll take you to the prayer meeting. Mm-hmm. So off to this prayer meeting, I go at St. Thomas Church in Ann Arbor. Strangest thing I ever saw. It was a charismatic prayer meeting, all mm-hmm. this guitar music and people talking and things, sounds I'd never heard before. And after about 10 minutes, I say in my head, ah, this isn't a place for me. So I stand up to go and I hear audibly, I heard something from behind me. This is what you prayed for. You need to stay. And I turned around and nobody was talking to me. <laughs> So now I, you know, here I am partially suicidal. Now I think I'm going nuts. Oh, gosh. But I sat down, and then it didn't get any better. So I stood up again to leave, and then I heard audibly from behind me again, this is what you prayed for. You need to stay here. This is what I'm giving you. And I sat down after the prayer meeting and went and signed up for Life in the Spirit seminars, which I still found kind of strange. (laughs) Um, And on the fifth week, they pray with you. So they prayed with me, and uh, the next morning, I didn't really feel much happen when they prayed with me, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. but the next morning I woke up, and I was smiling, and my head was up. Mm -hmm. Usually I walked around with my head Mm -hmm. down, and I didn't smile, and I was smiling, and I smiled all that day, and I could tell that it was God had changed something in me, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and I smiled for three days. Now, I hadn't smiled since I was eight years old in any regular way. Yeah. Mm -hmm. My face hurt. 
Whoa. It got to the point where I had to pray to God to stop smiling because <laughs> yeah. my face hurt so much because oh I was using God. muscles I hadn't used in years. It changed my life. I knew God yeah. had intervened in my life, yeah. that he was real, and that he cared about me. He was, he was there to, to take care of mm-hmm. me. So I joined the group. It was good for me. I got yeah. friends. I got yeah. people who loved Jesus. Yeah. I, you know, became a Eucharistic minister. I, uh-huh. you know, had a lot of decent and good experiences and uh, married a girl from the group, which was a very good thing. <laughs> um, she's, she's a great Christian. She eventually became a Catholic even. Fred, can we go back to, um, it, it's amazing to me, we, we've had, we've done a few of these interviews now, and just the role of um, fathers and men mm-hmm. in in so many of the stories that mm-hmm. that we've um, just been able to, to hear and, and to read. Um, can you go back just to that relationship with your dad? Sure. Um, and, and just how that, that one question from your dad sparked a lifetime of change. Mm-hmm. Sure. Yeah, well, my dad, Grew up as an orphan in Detroit, so he was a tough kind of guy. Mm-hmm. I mean, he had been in a gang when he was 17. His wow. best friend died in a gang fight, shot to death, oh. and my dad decided being in a gang was not not a winner. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, so he went on and finished high school just down the street at Central High in Detroit. Um, he got a job at Albert Kahn as a as a secretary. To the day he died, almost to the day he died, he could type 120 words a minute on a Royal Manual typewriter, wow. which he kept on his desk his whole career. No way. Okay, so he was uh, kind of a tough guy. He was a very smart guy. As as kids, um, or, or as as a kid, what? How do you remember your dad praying with you? Well, we would pray pretty much standard Catholic prayers, mm-hmm. and you know, guardian angel prayer. Yeah. Hail Mary. You know, he basically would put us to bed. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and then he would, you'd have your three minutes of prayer. Yeah. You know, now I lay me, I lay me down to sleep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But Pray so important. Us. So yeah. important. Even yeah. if it is just those, those, those traditional prayers. Catholic prayers, mm-hmm. you know, that's something that you remember and makes an impact on you. Oh, um, no, there was an impact. Catholicism. You know, yeah. Sunday morning came. Fred, you can't find your shoes. You've got to find your shoes. We're going to church. Oh, wow. Can you imagine going into a pew at St. Joan of Arc with my mom, my dad, and 10 kids? Oh, my goodness. We were, we were the riot in the church. I love I mean, it. We, but we always got there on time, and we never left a minute early. I mm-hmm. love they it. He said, you don't honor God mm-hmm. unless you get there on time and you stay till the end. Yeah. Well, that's that's a huge part of your story yeah. as well. You know, yeah. That, yeah. that sit down, this is what you prayed for. Yeah. Right. Um, when... Uh, in, in the seminary, one of the one of the priests would say, you know, when, when you go into a holy hour and um, you feel as though you're distracted and, and nothing's coming and or nothing's happening or you're annoyed and you're tempted to leave, he said, stay five more minutes because so will. often that's when that's when the grace happens. You have to give God time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you have to give God a little silence. Yeah. Because you know we're in a busy world. There's mm-hmm. lots of things tugging at you, mm-hmm. and there's a lot of noise. Mm-hmm. And sometimes you just have to give him a little silence, yeah. because that he's a he's a small voice. Yeah. Some he he yelled at me that one time. But <laughs> yeah. He, generally, he's a small voice. Right. And uh, he doesn't force himself on you. Mm-hmm. You right. have to ask, and then you got to be willing mm-hmm. to listen. Right. And it's it's not always easy. And it's incredible to see what's happened, you know, describing your life up until that point and and just kind of the way you went through life without smiling, without joy. And now knowing you today, there's a huge difference. The Lord has done something miraculous there. Um, And several years after that, 
he he did another incredible thing in your life. Can you share um, about the experience that you had with the Blessed Sacrament um, many moons after this initial uh, invitation to to know Jesus? Yeah, well, first off, when I was 28, I changed jobs, mm-hmm. and I, w- I went in front of the Blessed Sacrament and asked God what I should do. came back to my head, he wanted me to be a watchman, which I didn't know anything about and didn't care about. Uh-huh. What I wanted to do is start my own business <laughs> and impress my father with my business acumen mm. because my dad was a brilliant business guy. Um, picked the wrong thing, really. But, mm. uh, so I ignored what God said to me and just went ahead and started my business. I ran a successful business for a number of years, left my, my, my poor wife alone to raise our five kids <laughs> <laughs> as I traveled around the mid, Midwest. Mm. But eventually, my parents became ill, mm. and uh, I left my business behind, and I took care of them for three years, mm-hmm. their last three years of their life. I, I was free to do that because I could consult. And I r- wrapped that up, did their estate taxes. Then I decided, instead of just going back and deciding what to do, to do what I did when I was 28 and ask God what I should do next. So I took a five-day retreat mm-hmm. with my two sons and a deacon friend of mine, and uh It was a silent retreat in upstate New York, and after two days, my second son looked at me and said, Dad, you're no good at silence, (laughs) (laughs) which is generally true. Me and my oldest son spent all the time talking, Um, but on the fifth day, the last day of the retreat, before we left, I went into the chapel in front of the Blessed Sacrament, because I had come there Mm -hmm. specifically to ask God what I should do next. So I'm sitting in front of praying in front of the Blessed Sacrament, all alone in the chapel, And the first thing that comes to my mind is, I want you to be a watchman. And immediately that moment when I was uh, 28 years old came immediately back to my mind. God hadn't given up on me. I mean, he he had his whole goal there. Mm -hmm. And then he told me to help Deacon Jack Gardner, who had mentioned this biblical school thing Mm -hmm. to me. He's a friend of mine from college. He had Mm -hmm. mentioned it to me at a lunch. I'd blown blown it off Mm because Jack was a friend of college and College friends aren't always the best reliable guys, even though he'd become a deacon, <laughs> shockingly. <laughs> um, it was, you know, uh, I said, good luck with that, Jack. Yeah. You know, it didn't really interest me. Sure. And the next thing that came into my head when praying in front of the Blessed Sacrament is help Jack Gardner start the biblical school. And uh, that was the strangest thought I'd ever heard mm-hmm. because um, I didn't really want to do it because mm-hmm. I knew what that meant. That meant giving him money <laughs> and I wasn't really interested. So uh, I spent the next three weeks, and God wouldn't drop it. He just kept bringing it to my mind. And then I realized when praying one day that my dad had left me some money, Mm. and he had been saved by studying the Gospel Mm -hmm. of John. And I said, okay, okay, God, Mm -hmm. I'll, I'll use my dad's money to help Jack because that will honor you and honor what God did in your life and what you did in my life. Mm. So to honor my dad, I went back to Jack and said, okay, Jack, I'll give you the money to start your biblical school. And I thought that would be it. Here's your money. Good luck. <laughs> you know, uh, and he looks at me and says, Fred. He had that deep voice, that deacon <laughs> voice. You know, Fred, somebody's going to have to help me with the business side. Can you help me for a couple months? And I said, Oh, I guess. I'll, I'll help you, Jack, for a couple months because sure. now I'm invested, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I helped form the corporation, and I figured I'd be done. Mm-hmm. And then he said, well, we need a treasurer. <laughs> <laughs> so 
So he had so, a way of keeping you involved. Yeah. So, <laughs> uh, you know, I, th I think it was going to be a whole year before we actually had classes because you mm -hmm. had to recruit classes and you had to get the whole thing going. And he was afraid if I went away, I'd stop giving him money. So <laughs> he kept me involved as a treasurer. And I, I was the treasurer until three years ago. Then Jack retired and moved to Texas. And now I'm the president. They made me president. I'm still not quite sure why, <laughs> um, except I pay the teachers. So I guess sure. there's, there's plenty of reason to keep me as president. So it's been a great experience. Yeah. I've gone all over the diocese, all over Michigan. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, I, I told my kids, I didn't think when I was 48, when God talked to me, that I would be a Bible salesman, but yeah. now I'm a Bible salesman. <laughs> and so. what is it, um, you said that in your prayer, you heard the Lord, the Lord say, like, I want you to be a watchman. What, what does that mean to you? Well, okay, I had to, second time around, I had to take it seriously. <laughs> mm -hmm. So I actually went back to scripture mm -hmm. and I read Jeremiah mm -hmm. and I read Ezekiel. Ezekiel, there's a famous watchman passage in Ezekiel. And, uh, and I researched what a watchman was in ancient Israel. In ancient Israel, the watchman was, it's equivalent of the police department mm -hmm. is really the best way to think about it. They would walk around town with a staff so they could break up fights and things. Mm -hmm. And they'd walk around town with a light and help those poor, un, uh, maybe they'd been too much in the bar or whatever, mm -hmm. get home at night. Mm -hmm. And they would also man the gates. So if the king was coming, they would announce the king and open the gates. Or if the enemy was coming, they would close the gates. Mm -hmm. yeah. So, But they worked within the town. They didn't work. They weren't the army. Mm -hmm. They were the, the police force. So um, I was thinking God wanted me to work within the church. Mm. And he gave me a prayer that goes with it. And it, you know, prayer goes like this. Oh Lord, let me use the staff you've given me to bring peace to your church, mm -hmm. the light you've given me to lead men to Christ, and let me forever be ready to announce your coming again in glory. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And that's the prayer. Every time I go before the Blessed Sacrament, I, I genuflect and I say that prayer because that's what God's having me do is mm -hmm. work within the church to, pry, to get the church ready for his coming again. It's so beautiful to just to look back again all the way to, to when you were 18 and just feeling like so in despair mm -hmm. and how, how God mm -hmm. always works. Like God, God is always um, desiring to heal us and bring us from a place of death, mm. like yep. literal death sometimes, to a place of new life with him. And uh, just to see all the grace present and and the fact of um you knew where to go to, to ask the questions and, and, and to find to find the answers um it's the lord and the blessed sacrament absolutely yeah. if yeah. you if you are anytime i'm in trouble or i need something um for instance i have a grandson right now who has medical issues Aww. uh i asked my daughter to name him in the womb because they knew in the womb he would have medical issues mm -hmm. and i said i need somebody you know, I need patron saints to pray with. Yeah. I need a name. Mm. Mm -hmm. And so she named him Joseph Solanus. She's always had a uh, devotion to St. Joseph herself. Oh, cool. And Solanus, of course, is the Detroit saint of grace and gratitude. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, so I often go down to the Solanus Center mm. and lift Joseph up, the biblical yeah. school up. Mm -hmm. And then, of course, there's a wonderful tabernacle right yeah. around the corner from yeah. where you pray to Father Solanus. And then you can go to Jesus and say, Jesus, I need your help. Yeah. I need your guidance. Yeah. I need your peace in my life. Mm -hmm. And uh, 
it's a good place to find it. Always in mm-hmm. front of the tabernacle and in adoration is always a good place to find that place of centering in your life. Yeah. God never forgets who you are as an individual and what you need. And he's always willing to listen to you, whether it's a complaint, yeah. a prayer of gratitude, or a request. Mm-hmm. God's always willing to listen to you. I have to ask you too, how, how did you get your son to go on a silent retreat with you? <laughs> Well, I, you know, the truth is all five of my kids, and I give my wife most of the credit for this, are still all in the church. Mm-hmm. Uh, they all married Catholics. They all are raising wonderful families. Um, my wife is a convert to Catholicism. Mm-hmm. I didn't think she expected that when she married me. <laughs> um, and she, uh, despite all my wanderings and business and everything, she kept them very centered. In fact, we, we used to tell our children all the time, when you go to Matt, you know, I would always say, they finally got tired of this. I said, said oh, have you seen a miracle yet this week? And they would say, what do you mean, Dad, a miracle? We're going to church right now. And on that altar, there's going to be a miracle. Jesus mm. is going to show up just for you mm. on that altar. You're going to see a miracle this week. Mm-hmm. And my wife taught them the most important thing. We used to tell them all the same, the same thing. Mm-hmm. You can become a plumber, an electrician, a garbage man, or a businessman, or a doctor. We, that's all important. You've mm-hmm. got to have a life. But if you, you never leave God, mm-hmm. if you leave God, that's what life is mostly about, mm-hmm. is doing the will of God in your life. God yeah. made you for something. So my kids have always been Catholic. Now, my oldest son kind of went off the rails for a little while. Most oldest sons do. Um, <laughs> my wife prayed to, to Padre Pio, and uh, one day we had bought, we had gone to Chicago, we were praying in front of, in a church, and they had a bookstore, and they had a, uh, a video mm-hmm. done in Italy, dubbed in English, of Padre Pio's life. It oh, was yeah. like a six-hour video, uh-huh. and uh, we took it home, and my wife had been telling my son he needed to go to confession mm-hmm. and come back to the church. And uh, one day, I didn't want to mow the lawn. I will be honest. I didn't want to <laughs> mow the lawn. So I was going to preview this Padre Pio thing. Uh-huh. And unannounced, unknown, my son showed up. He came from western Michigan, from west side of Michigan, and just showed up just as I popped that thing uh-huh. into the video. Uh-huh. And he sat there for the next six hours and watched it. And he said at the end, Dad, can we go to confession? And he went back to confession. That was my wife praying for the intercession of another saint. People, you know, people don't get the power Mm. and the grace that's in God. Mm -hmm. So all my children, my oldest son came. He was somewhat reluctant. My second son is a UAD graduate, and he was always a good kid. So uh-huh. he came, but he wanted to do the silence, and yeah. me and Grant weren't very interested. That's awesome. Well, thanks, for your, <laughs> yeah. thanks for your great witness yeah. to your family. Yeah. yeah, that's powerful. And in your life as a husband, a father, and in the various roles that you've held, it's clear you've relied on the Lord. You know, you've turned to him in everything. And I'm curious to know, you, you've mentioned, you know, going and spending time with the tabernacle and, and just with the Blessed Sacrament in general. Um, what is that time like for you? What takes place? You know, you've mentioned hearing God. You've mentioned, you know, receiving uh, messages from him. What What is that experience like for well, you? Well, hearing God is is not the most common sure. experience, I've got to say. You, mostly I'm trying to get God 
to do something for me in my way, and he's yeah. got a different way. But, <laughs> um, you know, but basically, I'm a got a very active mind. I yeah. don't, you know, I, I, I'm a little bit of an ADD kid. My mind will wander. Mm. Um, so standing Ted quiet in front of the tabernacle can be difficult sure. for me because, you know, I'll start thinking about something else or anything else. Uh, so I often pray the rosary mm. um, as a focus mechanism mm -hmm. in, in front of the uh, Blessed Sacrament mm -hmm. because you're meditating on Scripture, you're meditating you know, you're praying with Mary, you're praying with yeah. the saints. Uh, I often have a particular intercession or something I pray for on every beat, so it could take me up to an hour oh, and, wow. to pray one of those rosaries. Yeah. Uh, um, and that helps me stay centered mm -hmm. sure. on it. Uh, I, you know, I always give God my requests at the end. Yeah. Trying to stay centered, sometimes I'll read scripture, mm -hmm. um, you know, open the Bible and just read a psalm. Mm -hmm. Read something, you know, uh, the Psalms, no matter what your mood is, mm -hmm. there's always a Psalm for you. Oh, yeah. yeah. You know, so uh, th those are the sort of things you do to keep yourself in front. And a lot of it is just giving God time. Mm -hmm. Sure. You know, you got to just give God time. He gave you everything. Yeah. Can't you give him 20 minutes, 25 minutes, an hour? And you always get more than you ever give. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. God is always willing to give you more than you ever thought you would get yeah you know so why would you waste your why wouldn't you waste a little time with god because mm. it's really never really wasted sure so it's Absolutely. like spending time time with a good friend it's mm. never really wasted yeah mm -hmm. so um but he's reliable yeah that's the big thing with god i've you know in my life i've realized i'm not very reliable mm. but god is always reliable Mm -hmm. He always wants to hear from you. Mm. It's amazing. He's amazingly generous. Well, thank you so much, Fred, for your witness. It's um, an incredible testament to what God can do when we just listen and respond and give him the chance to mm -hmm. um, to work in our lives. So thank you so much for sharing it with us again here on the podcast and for sharing it with us on IamHere.org. We're very, very grateful. Yeah, it's been a pleasure. Thank you very much for having me. You're Absolutely. Welcome. And thank you for listening to the I Am Here podcast. You can read and listen to more stories of people encountering Jesus in the Eucharist at IamHere.org. And we also invite you to share your story with us. I Am Here is a campaign by the Archdiocese of Detroit and Hallow App in support of the National Eucharistic Revival.